to the How Are You Doing podcast. My name is Ivan Kelly, striving to be a better version of myself. My name is Ibis Chigwe Sixan. Um, my name is Warum Saramaga, and life is good. My name is Oscar Diambo. I am happy to be here. I'm a psychologist. And so on today's episode, we'll be talking about the, uh, the psychology of gender identity, inclusivity, and diversity. So to kick us off, Nimo will be starting us up with the definitions. So for our gender identity, it's a person's innate sense of their gender, uh, used mainly in the context of sex they were registered at birth. Then for gender inclusion or inclusivity, it's acknowledging that everyone deserves to be treated with respect regardless of gender identity and expression, and ensuring that the systems and processes treat all genders equally. And we have gender diversity, which is an umbrella term that is used to describe gender identities that demonstrate a diversity of expression beyond the, the binary framework, i.e. male and female. Aye. And so on that note, Jojo, will you like to kick us off with the actual definition or well, your perception of the definition? Um, I think the second definition is fair. Everybody should and ought to be treated with respect. Uh, despite anything they're going through. However, uh, I'd like to point out that the first definition is is not a definition that arose organically. Mm-hmm. It was the creation of um, psychologist John Money, and he actually coined the term gender mm-hmm. in 1955, mm-hmm. uh, distinct from sex. So he's the first person to differentiate the two concepts. Okay. And uh, I think we should be a bit careful when exploring these terms and, and accepting and implementing these definitions. Because if you look a bit into his life, and I hope as this episode goes on, we can learn a bit more about John Money and see where he came from. But he's the pioneer of transgenderism. He's the father of gender identity. And yeah, so before him, these terms basically didn't exist. Okay. And yeah, I, I'm curious to know what people considered gender before that. Well, let's let's first take Oscar's opinion on it. Could you, what's your understanding of the term gender inclusivity, diversity? Okay, um, basically from what has been happening, I mean, uh, listening from, I mean, the society nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, the concept of gender identity, inclusivity, and this is a hot topic. Yeah, um, and it's very controversial. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially now, um, speaking as a psychologist, mm-hmm. you find that now if, let's say, um, trying to you find so many clients who come to you, uh, who, who identify, I mean, it's, people say that gender is a spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So people who identify with just a different, with the different genders, I mean, that, that there are, mm-hmm. you know, so... It's a concept that is not well understood. Mm-hmm. And I think also to understand it, we have to go back to the person who coined it. So I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about that. <laughs> about money. Well, money was a, a bit of an eccentric man. Um, this research is widely available. You can find it for yourself. But if I were to give you a brief summary, um, he was the first person to come up with uh, sexual theories, really, around sur- surrounding gender and for the longest time, his work was just theory until he got hold of the Rhymer twins. So this happened in, uh, I think, the 60s, where the two twins, uh, 
David and I forget his brother's name. I think it was Bruce. Uh, they had uh, an infection or something with uh, the yeah, and they needed to <clears throat> they needed to have surgery. Well, it was a simple surgery. I mean, a simple circumcision could have uh, rectified it, but something went really bad. Uh, actually, David was the one who was was damaged. So David was first a boy. His name was David, and his organs were damaged irreparably. So the doctors were telling his parents, you probably, he'll probably never have a normal sex life. He'll probably never be able to have sex like a normal human being. And I mean, like any parents, they obviously hated the fact that it was, you know, under their watch that this happened to their child. So they were looking for any possible solution, any way to rectify the damage done. And here comes John Money. And John Money was extremely eager because here he gets a chance to test out his theories. And his theories were precisely that gender is fluid, uh, sexuality is a spectrum, mm -hmm. biological sex doesn't really define who you are. And so he got a chance to test out these theories. And what he did was he transitioned David and David became Brenda. Okay. And so he was spliced, uh, yeah, and he got now his female identity and so from the age of about eight david was raised as brenda okay and going into his life i mean what john money ended up concluding in his research and what most of the left-wing uh loud-spoken people parrot is his theories and he came out saying his experiment was a resounding success he successfully transitioned a person who was truly a girl into their right gender. And he was just applauding himself and everything. But if you follow the story of the Rima twins carefully, you'll notice there were several deranged things that money did. He'd get them together and make them undress in front of him to look at each other. And he'd make them perform sexual acts on each other. And this is a man who was supposed to be helping these boys, a psychologist. He was meant to be and I know that's the, like, I don't know if you guys take the Hippocratic Oath, but there's a certain need to help whoever it is you're, you're helping without putting your own personal vendettas. And yeah. yeah, but he did that. And he claimed it was a success, but the two twins, um, one of them uh, killed himself. Okay, it was put down as, as uh, an accident, but it was suicide mm -hmm. because he overdosed on antidepressants. And his brother, in 2004 now, uh, drove into a parking lot with a sort of shotgun and, yeah, popped off his head. So what's funny about the story of Brenda is actually Brenda didn't like living as Brenda. Brenda was not happy as Brenda and was traumatized. And so Brenda transitioned back and was now Bruce. So he tried, David tried reliving his life again as a normal man but too much damage had been done and he couldn't fully claim that identity of, of a man anymore. And which is why I think he, he had to take that option. So yeah, based on that history, I think, which many people don't know, many people just take it as is presented, which is, mm -hmm. this is a chance for now all those other beautiful terms, inclusivity, diversity, yeah, they depend on the fact that there are different identities. And so they use those, very nice sounding terms to cover up or to uh, be a Trojan horse for the actual uh, elephant in the room, which is this concept of identity. But 
is quite relevant. Even up to date, the, the matter is quite relevant. Uh, as you've said, gender is fluid. This new debate Apparently. that uh, young children should be able to decide what the gender is. Um, Today, they've asked for it for a minute. There's this topic about um, how uh, the surgical procedure should be readily available if if you wake up today, I don't know, an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, you decide today, let's say you're female, but you decide today you're male, you have all the rights to go to uh, a surgical doctor, ask him to perform the procedure and take all the features off. In the United States. Yeah, in the United yeah, States. Yeah. And the, the current argument they have right now is that since you've decided you're male, and let's say you have certain bodily features that aren't male, um, they're considered abnormal body features, defects. And so under that justification, they deserve to be taken off. Which really brings about the debate, does a, does a young child, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, do they really have the ability, do they have uh, the moral, not the moral ground, the right state of mind to make that decision? I think the capacity. That, yeah, do they have the capacity to I make that reasoning? I, I, don't, I actually don't think they do. And I'm strongly against that because um, the formative years of a child are between, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think one to eight or higher or one to five. One to five. One to five, yeah. yeah. And um, even, even, as, even beyond five, we see children heavily influenced by the information they consume, uh, their parents' beliefs, like you actually learning about the world so I don't think a child who has whose reasoning faculties haven't yet fully developed, who is still discovering who they are, who's still growing because your brain fully develops at the age of 25 and you're still growing. And even when the state considers you as an adult, you're still seen as a person growing until the age of 25. I don't think as a parent it's right for you to let your eight-year-old child who it needs as much guidance as possible and is being told by uh, companies which, by the way, are profiting heavily of these people who are transitioning and charging them exorbitant amounts for new organs and medical expenses and therapy and all those things, that they are indeed female and not male, that they should be telling you that you should transition. And as a parent, you're supposed to guide your child and let them until the age where they properly know themselves to make such a drastic change to themselves because eight is such a young age. I, if I'd been under such influence, I'd have, let's say, jumped off a roof, but like I was young, even now, I wouldn't want to transition now. Have you tried maybe telling your child that, you know, you're beautiful the way you are, taught them values and what a good human being is generally and not surrounding their entire identity about who they identify as in society, either male or female. Especially on that topic, I'd actually like to know your professional view. <laughs> uh, since there is, um, there are certain factors that might lead to that. I'm not saying it's correct, but let's say there are male who tend to be feminine. Mm -hmm. Either the way they were raised, they were raised among feminine, so they just got it naturally. There are females who tend to be more masculine. Probably they grew up with brothers and all. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say the living conditions weren't that conducive. So they tended to make you, you had to toughen up, kind of gain some manly aspects. Mm -hmm. So 
do you feel that it's right to just let them because probably it's just a it's just a phase in life it's just a stage just a condition it's not a permanent decision but since they decide oh now I'm masculine do you think they they deserve the right or they should be promoted like yes you should go do this change because you you're clearly you're masculine yet you're not let me let me let me respond to that with a question mm-hmm. would you leave the uh, the decision for what to have for dinner to your 8 year old like what would you want to have for dinner like for them they are like they have to make the decision of what they're going to eat for dinner <coughs> you leave it to them they'll always no. choose ice cream mm. yeah, yeah right and this is a small like this is a small decision which is relatively insignificant mm-hmm. as compared to how we want to identify as a person yes. growing up and i find that there's this guy this basketballer called Dwayne Wade and he's young um, his child did a such as a procedure yeah. for sex change and uh, they're not living with the mom mm-hmm. so the mom was so much against it yeah. and you see that's the american society yeah. but then now coming to what you're asking me it's it's, it's a topic about nature versus nurture yeah. right and i find that uh, once once the society is comfortable with this kind of thing mm-hmm. then it will become normal yeah right and i know i haven't answered your question mm-hmm. but okay. i'm just I'm, i just wanted to to add on what they were, you they were saying about um leaving this decision to a child yeah. the child will not always make the best decision and you find yourself even as a teenager i mean as a young person i you always there's some decisions you have to consult yeah and probably they're not or there's some decisions your parents have to make for you yes. and probably they're not like that significant but it's If, I mean it's just far beyond you because there are people who have gone ahead and just just to talk about that um if you are a fan of comedy of not comedy so of documentaries yes. if you look at people who have had the sex change they get to life at some point uh, this particular documentary where this it was like around 10 people they were saying that if i was told uh, the challenges that i would go through oh yes how definitely they, go, they, through, they go ahead go with it mm-hmm. because it's it's just too much and what what he was saying whereby you see there are people who are benefiting from this not yes. only i mean you'll not do the procedure and just stay like that you'll have to go for uh, for, for continuous observation yeah. just like doing a plastic surgery you'd have to you see because this is something foreign or something that has been taken from you and your body has a mechanism of functioning yeah. and at some point Yeah, you dis- you you kind of destabilize it. Yeah, your body might end up rejecting it. Exact counter effects. Exactly. Yeah. And also people react to this medication. So you find that that very thing that and you find that it's usually a mixture of it starts you see when it, I think is the reaction to it because when a child comes to you and they tell you that I feel like I'm a boy. I should be a girl or I should be a boy. It it is not it there's there's actually an underlying underlying thing about that. It's more of self-esteem. Yeah. So if you play with the into the fears because a child doesn't have experience of what they they want they yeah. don't really know what they want they just want to fit in exactly they may want one thing and eventually they want another thing yeah so if you don't really address let's say for example if you present to a doctor with um, with uh, symptoms of malaria mm-hmm. which are similar to tb and the doctor focuses on the symptom and forgets the underlying condition you see you'll be treating the symptoms but eventually this person will succumb to the kind of diagnosis that they have yeah. so it is very important for you and especially in therapy in therapy let me just give you what what we do mm-hmm. in therapy a client may come to you and say that oh i'm having 
um, marital conflicts, yeah. right? So you know that this is a presentation, but this there are definitely some things underlying. Yeah. Uh, probably it might be trauma or trouble uh, or just, or maybe addiction that is affecting the marriage, you see? So there are so many things that if you just focus on the underlying, the, just that thing, because I'll tell you for a fact that um, in most of the people who, that is from experience, mm -hmm. there's surely an, a self-esteem thing and usually some trauma with the uh, underlying that and probably some upbringing issue. Right, and that is from experience. Yeah. Right, so now that it, it's it's just a point whereby um, I find that uh, if we have to be objective in this kind of conversation and remove all emotions from it, yeah. because okay, yesterday I was in a, in, in a meeting and the guy was saying that um, you see, there's a way we can have an emotional conversation. And the decision that we make will be emotional, but it will not be solving the issue. But when you are objective, when, when, when we are really objective, we can get to, to a, some conclusion. And we, we coin two issues. There are technical problems and there are adjustment problems. right? So depending on how technical problems need technical solutions, adjustment problems need adjustment solutions. So now... I, I guess that's what I'd say. I get your point, uh, especially where you've touched on on inclusivity. You want to fit in. There are situations where you find yourself being the odd one out. Mm -hmm. And there, there also is the situation of the current times where it's a trend mm -hmm. where people just do it for mm -hmm. fun. And then someone else decides, I want to do it because I also want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. It coins up to, um, builds up to that decision. Like that's situational. Like you decide if this is what people are doing, I also want to do it. But will you, will we let, rather than, okay, let me rephrase it again. The situation where people are doing it, peer pressure, uh -huh. you're deciding to fit in, uh -huh. or where you're growing up, certain conditions, and then you decide the only way for you to prosper is if you switch to something else. Well, would you rather just solve that issue in particular or take the easier route mm -hmm. where it solves it immediately, but further down the line, it just cranes up a huge number of issues. Mm -hmm. So the main problem is it, it just comes back down to the way uprising, as the way you said family matters, mm -hmm. the way um, natural support. Let's say if you, you're a girl, you grew up with boys, playing around with boys, everyone starts treating you as a boy. Mm -hmm. Well, you shouldn't be disrespected mm -hmm. or taunted or humiliated for that fact. It's other just acceptance. So that's the main key issue. It, it all comes down, it's not an issue of um, they woke up and then they felt this today, they felt this weird. I don't know, they had a trigger in the brain. It's just, it's a matter of the STEM issue. That's what we should come down to. Does any of you have a further opinion on that? Um, I, I say a further opinion on it's, I take a stance of humanity as, as a whole. We have a habit going way back in time of whenever an issue is working upon our society, we look at it at the surface level. We look at it as just as it is and we're trying to solve it, but we don't ask ourselves, why is this growing? Why is it being accepted? Why are people actually fighting this? Why are people going the extra mile to make sure that it's indoctrinated in schools, that if you don't respect the fact that, um, that I don't know how many genders there are right now, they keep increasing by the day. But like, and right now I think there are over 100, if I'm not wrong, 
that I do not know what you identify as, where everyone wants to be heard, but who's listening? That's the question. Why is it as, what's the underlying problem right now as humanity that we are facing? Is it because uh, we have reached a point where we have mistreated all sorts of hardness? Because whether we like it or not, risk, danger, hard times create evolution. And have we mistreated all our problems to the point that we focus on, oh, my gender, this, my gender, that? Because someone said that, the problem with everyone wanting to be hard is that the people who actually need to be hard aren't hard. Yeah, they're overshadowed. Yeah, they're overshadowed. Else. Because as much as, yes, your human rights shouldn't be abused, I don't know why you think you should take precedence over a person who is literally being evacuated from their home because of a certain social class they can't attain. So you, your problems are not equal. So as humanity, why are we focusing on the bigger picture? Why are we focus? Why is it? Because you can tell a society by the people they listen to. Mm -hmm. Why is it the, the most people, most polite people in our society, are people who are promoting um, physical beauty over inner beauty or character? Why is it that people who are selling you a new body each year? Why are those the most polite people in the world? That's showing something as our society. Like, what's the underlying problem? Are we giving up everything? Have we lost a bigger thing to believe in as people? So we as humanity need to fo stop focusing on gender, sexuality, and all those are important. But you need to ask yourself, why out of everything in this life to focus on, am I focusing on my gender? What am I trying to, what is my life telling me? I think we need to focus on that as humanity to understand why this is even rampant as it is. Because yes, you're gay, you're lesbian, and I, that's your choice, it's your body, but why is it your entire personality? Do you understand? Yeah, totally you are that. more than that. You have a career, you have, you're, you're a human being, you bring more to the table than the fact that you are, love another man or you're not attracted to people. So why is your sexuality and your gender identity your entire personality? Definitely, it's become a, it's become like a main issue. You go to a restaurant, get your, you go to a restaurant, the first thing you hear is 50% uh, of our staff is gender diversive. And you're like, bro, the only thing I came just for here is eat. the ambience, the I food. <laughs> I don't care who cooked. As long as it's cooked properly, I'm okay with my food. Is, is the kitchen clear? Yeah. And to, to add on to what Nemo is saying, and I agree with Doc here because I think most of the conversation has surrounded the, the issue itself, but we're not asking why is it so prevalent. And he hinted on it, the idea of self-esteem. I think it's coupled self-esteem, pride, and our general lack of transcendence in our culture today. Because in the past, we had no answers to so many things. We were very confused and scared and helpless in this world. And so something inside us demanded that we look beyond our human intellect and capacity and see that there is a greater force behind everything moving around today. But with the advancement of technology, we've slowly kicked God out of the door. And you've noticed in the places where there is the least belief in God, you have the corresponding increase in such identities. And the idea of uh, self-esteem, I feel like it's not just even the individuals because an eight-year-old, I mean, what do they know about self-esteem? It's more often than not their parents who have a severe self-esteem issue or a, a crippling mental issue that they have not addressed 
and they project it onto their onto children. The children. I, I watched an interesting video of this mother filming her, her child. She had put her young boy in a, a pink dress mm-hmm. and done makeup on his face. Okay, it looked like he had done it himself, but who bought him the makeup, you know? Anyway, so she was filming him and asking him these questions. Are you a boy or a girl? And then he was smiling and he was like, I'm a girl. Meanwhile, the whole time, he's trying to climb this wooden fence. A very boyish thing to do, you know, he's a bit nervous. All the, 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 the eyes are on him. So he's there fiddling with the fence, trying to climb it. Uh, the mother asks him, how old are you? And then he says, I'm six. And she's like, no, you're four. It's like, no, I'm six. No, you're four. Meaning she can perceive his misdirection with regards to his age. But when it comes now to his gender, he says, I feel like a girl. And she just goes along with it. While age is way less, you know, concrete than gender. I mean, on different planets, I could be, he could actually be six. You know, if he was like maybe on Jupiter, factually, he'd be six. But that to her is less important than the fact that the, the path she has chosen for this child. And when you look at it that way, I mean, in the past, men, this used to be categorized as a mental illness. There was an actual, and then, of course, you know, there was a lot of stigmatization. People weren't flocking to identify as something that, so the actual people who were suffering were receiving whatever attention that was available. Obviously, it was not uh, the best, but at least the people who were suffering could be identified. But now it's become a trend, as you've put it. Everyone, it's fashionable. Yep. We've moved from super stigmatization to over-acceptance. That term, inclusivity, it's not like you have a choice. There's no boundary. Yeah. You are, it's literally like you have a social gun to your head that says, if you do not accept this as reality, you can be canceled. You can be... And I mean, when did it become a, a crime to just question facts? I mean, if you tell me I attended class yesterday... And I'm like, no, you were not there. And I check the register. You were not in class. Has that offended you? It's a fact. But now it's become the case that because you believe something, everybody else is bound. It's the whole conversation surrounding pronouns. And I believe that this conversation in this country right now is not so relevant. But just the Supreme Court decision the other day shows you how quick things can change. You believe that this country is, is conservative and it has values and morals. A little money comes your way, things start changing. So we don't know where we're going to head up, where we're going to end up in, in the next few years. So I believe this conversation is important. And I'd like to know uh, from Doc here, people say that when you affirm gender identity, it brings about happiness or like, people are less likely to commit suicide because they've been affirmed or they've uh, found acceptance. Uh, Have you had any experience with, not necessarily gender, but a person with a problem, having that issue confirmed and affirmed or approaching the person with the issue and telling them this is actually a problem and watching their progress through that issue and seeing at the outcome, are they happier once they release their, their firm hold on, on their identity with the problem. Okay, okay. I'll answer that, that question with something that we all can, can, uh, can really research even after this. I mean, if you look at the American society, it's the most accepting society with the, the uh, LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. right? But then if you look at the statistics amongst the biggest consumers of psychotropic medications. These are medications for anxiety, for depression, 
and even for other mental disorders, it's very high amongst the people from this community, right? And the, amount, the number of people who are committing suicide is very high it's from this community, in the US alone. Mm. So, so you tell me, I mean, the, the acceptance is there, mm. the, the health care, I mean, in the US is very, the if you say that you're from history. this community, mm. I mean, you get services easier than even a black person, mm. right? So they are considered as minority. So now the acceptance is there, but then they still go through all this. So now that shows you that there's something. I mean, as much as you'll take care of the symptom, but there's still something underlying. What is driving mm. these people? Mm. It is not the acceptance, right? So even coming back to our, to our country and the fact that, this, that I mean, they were calling for that acceptance, but the problem would still be there. And this is something that you'll realize that it is, its effect even way after. I'll give you an example. You remember when we, uh, they were having the issue about Black Lives Matter? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the community in the U.S., they hijacked that whole thing. And it became about them. So let's go back to the 1960s in the U.S. There's something called the sexual revolution. Mm. Remember in the 1960s, this is where the Beatles came out. And they were really huge. So before that, the society used to be really conservative. But then after that, um, they started wearing miniskirts. And it just took 14 years since then till uh, now. Uh, you see, in the 1900s, there was a lot of advancement in psychology, People coming up with theories, people are trying to explain human behavior. So there used to be, this, there is this something we call the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. Mm. So right now it's in the fifth edition. So at that time it was to the third edition. So before that, it used to be uh, homosexuality used to be considered as a sexual disorder. But then after that, because of what had happened prior and the, and the advocacy, and even it is something that started even way before. Because in the 1900s, uh, there used to be this lady called Margaret Sanger. I think she's the grandmother to Bill Gates. So she's the one who started uh, Mario Stops. Do you know what Mario Stops does, right? We will not talk about that, <laughs> but we know what they do. Yep. So now, even coming later, coming later, uh, she was about the eradication of the black, black community. And it is in the internet. I'm not talking about things that are, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and. Now, tying that to, I mean, this is just one of the things that they used to do, right? Then coming back to the, uh, 1974, it was abolished from the, from the manual for disorders as a disorder. Mm -hmm. So now going forward, it used to be like, I mean, I'm born like this. There's another example of a black man saying that he's white. I'm sure you've seen that on, on YouTube. He's white, like he's convinced he's white, mm -hmm. right? And that, <laughs> there's something in the DSM we call the gender dysmorphic disorder. But then this is different from sexual identities, right? So I'll, let me give you another example. I, because in therapy, you promise confidentiality. So I'll not tell you that this person is this or this way it worked. But there's, um, you get somebody who comes to you as, um, as just, I mean, people are really human. They come to you with a human problem, right? Like, let's say... Um, you have opened your clinic and you say that therapy open, offer psychotherapy, you do this and that. So people will come to you and say, I'm going through this and I'd like to book for a session. I'm like, yeah, come in, let's do this. So you take their history and they come to you with really real problems. Let's say um, I lost my mom yesterday or my partner is going through this and this and that or I'm going through this and this and this and that and I just want to that help. Of course, 
Um, and, and you see, me meeting you, I'll not know. I'll not. Maybe if you, if you, if you clearly a man with beards and you're wearing a skirt, then I'm not okay. So this is from this community. But then if I'm meeting you and you're wearing a trouser, I'm like, yeah, you come in. That's it. So at that time, I'm not interacting with you on the basis of you being your identity. You know? So I'm like, what are you going through? Let's talk about this. So I'll ask you. There's something called a clinical interview. I'll ask you, what's your name? Where are you coming from? Uh, and I'll tell you because I cannot assume. Are you male or female? Or other, you tell me I'm male or female, so I'm able to judge. Okay, so this is uh, she has hair and all that and earrings, but then she identifies as a man. Or I'll just you know it is all you know, right? Or and I'll ask you what's your sexual orientation. So I'll not assume, mm. in as much as maybe it might be obvious, I'll not assume. I'll ask you. So from there, at least you're trying to include some inclusivity. Mm, just yeah. not to, we don't want to be offensive. Because at the end of the day, they're human beings. Exactly. And, and at the end of the day, but also at the same time. Um, you see, therapy is about being real. Mm-hmm. It's mm. it, in any human interaction. It's about being real, right? So you have to like you are, uh, you have to tell them that this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, right? This is who I am. This is what I'm doing, and this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. But then that will not impair me towards helping you, right? And that's the thing. Like in all with all these people, they're really human and they're going through all these challenges. But the most important thing is the most important thing is to really know. That you can always like you can always help that give that help even away from the challenges that I mean from the identity like you're more than this identity so please yeah. explore yourself more you don't have to identify with this identity explore personality maybe you know find out why you feel masculine why you feel feminine there's more rational reasons than I am actually a man yeah. there's masculine women there's feminine guys research depth psychology there's a lot of information that can point you in a healthy direction. And I believe every man's true power is in his masculinity. Every woman's true power is in her femininity. The moment you leave that, you've made yourself more helpless and more weak and vulnerable and, you know, open to all sorts of influences. And, yeah, it doesn't help the situation. I think it just gets so, worse. So um, for me, the part, for the as a final or... Because the last that I have always asked is, uh, we are the the reason why inclusivity began or being accepting was because there were many people who were being sidelined for things they couldn't control, like race. But now every uh, there's a saying, too much of anything is bad, right? So we're seeing uh, anyone coming out and being anything, being accepted. So I'm asking, is there should there be a limit to acceptance? Because the truth is, even though you identify as a cat or a dog or a trans or a trans abled person, you have a duty to society because society also gives back to you. You're not an island. Because if you start saying, if everyone in society abandons zero, we're going to crumble as an entire race. So I have a question because there is an article here in the National Post where there's now a new term called trans we're fully functioning human beings, fully functioning, disabled themselves. There's one called One Hand Jason who lost an arm deliberately. They arrange, arrange accidents. You don't, you are, they arrange accidents and actually lose limbs. But okay, that's in the short term. And someone is saying that it's a very, very strong desire where they feel like they belong to the trans-abled community, to the trans-abled community, no, to the disability community. Right, where they um, and they feel like imposters in their own body, fair and fine. You feel like you're disabled, 
do you consider how because as a society we already have to accommodate those who are born with disabilities the government have to make sure that they are well taken care of and it's and for you who's born with a full functioning body you should contribute to society to building it to these people so that we can create a, a community where those who have less abroad have a platform to rise up but here is a fully functioning human being who is going from this point to this point and if we don't if everyone is doing that then you're encroaching on people who actually had no choice in being born as disabled so i'm asking is there should there be a limit to our acceptance as society because this just doesn't affect you 40 50 years from now we are going to be dead and the people who are going to be reeling from the effect of our ill-timed ill-informed decisions are going to be our children who aren't even alive and we're making those decisions yeah definitely true coming back to um looking for the core matter rather than finding a, a quick irrational solution most of the transabled uh as a matter of fact like quite literally what i've read what i've seen most of them usually just do it because they want the attention yeah. they want the care they want people to yeah. actually recognize them yeah so you just want to be seen. Yeah, they, yeah, basically. Um and it comes back down to the core issues where it all started. Uh where we where we're seeing the matter more is where they have more issues, depression, um sadness, broken families. So rather than just being quick to accept, uh being quick to just say this fixes this. As a society we should come back to our core core values. Um dignity, being hard working, uh taking care of each other. This world of this world of where every man just depends on themselves. Clearly you can't do that. It is I do get there are, there are conditions where times have changed. It isn't like the old times where you can just meet anybody and quite literally trust them. Like back a while back it used to be like that. The whole community knew each other. Nowadays people are self-reliant, depend on themselves. and it's bringing back a lot of issues so the key way to solve a large number of these problems is rather just being be a good neighbor let's just say that <laughs> if if a person has they need care they need love probably the people who are supposed to give it to them aren't doing that for them be open to do it be inclusive um if someone's identifies as this it doesn't mean you should hate them it doesn't mean you should beat them it doesn't mean never be afraid to tell them the truth yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel it also, comes it with both hands yeah. but do you know do you know one thing even as we see mental disorders these are things that are really like and that's yeah. so many yeah. you see what you people who seek attention this is something called histrionic personality disorder mm-hmm. have you heard in cases where by a guy was a huge prospect yeah. of football or basketball oh yes then a lady accuses him of prepping yeah yeah yes right and this guy goes through a lot of trouble and you find that this lady she was is just lying. seeking attention yeah. Yeah. and you and you find that there's a lot of that going on and there's i mean the most important thing that we really need to know is we really need to look far beyond the issue and you see in the case whereby most of these things we are hearing they're coming from the US mm-hmm. and that's a society without morals sorry to say that mm-hmm. if you if you're from the, if you no, guys are glued on them and and you see the yeah. main, the most important thing is a society that is not built on morals yes if we spend our time always looking for money and really forgetting the basic things yeah. like any situation and I'll tell you for a fact that even Strathmore is built on on morals and you guys are aware of that like there's a specific way of conduct you have to conduct yourself and that prevents you from so many griefs 
from so many things yeah. you might not understand. So the most important thing is morals. What are, I mean, this this particular reason, there's a reason why these things have been uh, it has been like that for the longest time because you might not know the reason why, but it's actually protecting from against some things that you may not know. Okay. So morals is very important. So society built on morals will stand. If it is not built on morals, man, you'll just it crumble. crumble. Yeah, it will yeah, only take us. And this is why in the US is one of the most crumbling societies. Despite the fact that people are prospering, but it's, it's only for a particular amount of time that you do. Yeah. Now, it also okay. comes down to bare due diligence. Um, if it's being pushed on you, you're being forced to accept it, question it. Why is it seeming so perfect and not wrong? And so I guess coming to the key takeaway of this episode, is inclusivity isn't bad, but it needs to be regulated. Uh, regardless of people's identification, uh, the pronouns and all, love and care is still key. You need take care of people, be a good neighbor. And lastly, make sure to keep touch with your key values. We live in a society that's kind of more or less. Um, you're free to do whatever, but make sure you, you be a stand-up person. Keep key to your principles. Don't let anyone make you budge or feel ashamed because of your principles. And so on that conclusion, we'd like to appreciate you to come to the end of this episode of the How You Doing podcast. Keep listening, tune in, and yeah. Disclaimer. We hope to see you further. The views and opinions are personal to us and do not in any way represent those of the institution we're representing, which is Jackman University, I think. And we are open to hearing your thoughts and Please. views on this episode. Thank we, you. We agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.